For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The legend of Voltron, defender of the universe. A mighty robot, loved by good, feared by evil. As Voltron's legend grew, peace settled across the galaxy. On planet Earth, a galaxy alliance was formed. Together with the good planets of the solar system, they maintained peace throughout the universe. Until a new horrible menace threatened the galaxy. Voltron was needed once more. This is the story of the super force of space explorers. Specially trained and sent by the Alliance to bring back Voltron, Defender of the Universe. Welcome in, everybody, to the first live Kamikaze uh, little little get together here. We just decided to do a uh, an impromptu Superflex rookie mock. We were all, we were all talking about our boards and landing spots and what's going to happen with everything, and then we just decided, you know what, let's uh let's get on and chop it up. So it's going to be the uh, the usual cast here. We're uh, we're waiting on the Emmy Award winner because he's apparently. Uh, Gonna try to be fashionably late. He's gonna try and show us up and show how important he is. I guess. Um, I guess that's. I guess whenever you have an Emmy, that's what you can do, right? You just do whatever the hell you want. That's exactly right, and that he has shown that on multiple occasions. I, I would get in trouble if I had one because I'd be like, "What was that, honey? You can't make me a sandwich. Why? Here's my Emmy." Oh, hey, <laughs> that, that I mean, that's <laughs> I mean, Mrs. Dwight. <laughs> oh man! Did you know? Ouch! No, <laughs> I thought you timed that. I thought that was just well played. I knew she was home, but I didn't. Uh, yeah. Oops! <laughs> I didn't know she could hear me. 
and uh, my MMA is going to get me to sleep on the couch tonight. So that right. meeting got canceled for later tonight. <laughs> my- Cause of death, coronavirus. That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it looks like uh, Dwight's going to be able to hang out a little bit longer, so that's that's <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, well, we uh, we some of us have have some more important things to do that we don't want to hold each other up from. So, Jay, Mike, you are the man with the the man with the meeting. So, why don't you go ahead and uh, kick us off here again? This is going to be a super flex rookie mock. So, Jay, Mike, you got the going to give you the one hundred and one here, buddy. I'm just I'm I'm I'm. I'm very sorry about this already. I'm just going to throw this out there. Uh, I, I will not do the basic thing. And already in in a, in a draft that I'm in, uh, we're already seeing the 101 be in so many different places. Uh, but if you are here and watching live and we appreciate you and you see the name on the screen here for me, uh, Big Clyde Edwards T. Jefferson here. Uh, so I'm going to get real crazy here. And I'm going to go with CEH uh, at, at the 101. I am obviously a big fan. Yes, yeah, very hot, very hot. And I think in many instances, uh, the the value probably leans toward uh, the quarterback. But for for all intents and purposes, though, in in a situation where I feel like I'm good at quarterback, I feel really good about the top two running backs being either one. uh, And Clyde Edwards-Elair got the, the landing spot of all landing spots in Kansas City. I'm excited to see what he's going to be. Uh, how he's going to be weaponized down there with Andy Reid and a host of other absurd options. Uh, sky's the limit for that guy to be able to uh, catch 60-plus balls a season and just do some crazy things. So CEH is going to be my pick here at 101. I, I think love we should it. talk about that a little bit because I, I think <laughs> we've seen not that, – no, not that it's bad at, at all, but I think that's a big narrative right now of the, the vanilla quarterbacks or quarterback and then uh, maybe – to a little bit later um, versus now we have two running backs that I think are starting to creep into people's one-on-ones, even in super flex. And so it's that value and um, trying to figure out, do you like the the running back that's maybe going to hit a little bit sooner uh, produce for your team, maybe year one, or do you like the uh, rookie quarterback who might, you know, be a, a QB 18 or something like that, but will build um, for years to come. I think I've seen a lot of conversation about that. I was curious if you guys had any thoughts on that. What's funny is I think before this, before the draft, if you did any super flex rookie mocks, it was always Burrow, Burrow, Burrow. And now all of a sudden, you know, the couple I've been in, it hasn't, it, Burrow's usually the third one, fourth one off the board. You know, it's definitely not following the, what, you know, the protocol. And I, I noticed this little, this swing a little bit last season, even, in the startups that I did and the rookie in the mocks that I did that just, it used to always be super flex was like six of the top 10 picks, 12 picks, you know, and last year I saw more and more, even in the Scott fishbowl, there was a lot of guys that were, you know, only one quarterback going in the first round, you know, two in the first couple, you know, like it wasn't that push to get those quarterbacks early. Like we used to always have to in super flex. So I actually kind of like it. It, It's been kind of nice. I mean, the auction values haven't been, they've still been, you still have to pay out the nose to get a quarterback, but if you've got like a snake draft, it's there's not a push to get those top two, three quarterbacks like you used to have to. So it's kind of nice. So. Do you think that has more to do with the questions with the the top two guys? Yeah, you know, I mean, like, do we think if we had like a Deshaun Watson, so to speak, like that level of prospect who've been doing it for three years, 
You know what I mean? Like the fact that Burrow, people are questioning the one year of production to his medicals. Herbert kind of seems to be the safe guy who might not have the ceiling. Like, is is that the reason why we're seeing that? Because normally, like J. Mike said, the basic thing would just be quarterback super flex at the at the one hundred one. So is is that what is that what is pushing the running backs ahead for you guys, or is it just the fact that you believe in these running backs so much that you're willing to go RB over QB at that one hundred one? I feel like it's a confluence of all these things, right? Because right. we we're, we're watching we're watching Joe Burrow. And to a, while both fantastic prospects, both going to wildly dysfunctional franchises, right? Who, who have just been really bad for a long time. So that's a piece of the puzzle. And we also got any and all of the draft capital that we could have hoped for in this vaunted running back class that we've been waiting for. Everybody got a spot that we can say, you know what? I like that. Like nobody's like, you know what? That's absolutely terrible for cam makers to be in la like that's all like nobody's saying that right so we we got the we got all the things that we wanted with this draft and all of those things being put together with a class of running backs that obviously people have been excited about for a long time it it, it just spells uh it spells for drafts to be crazy it spells for every even in the same settings that you may have over leagues uh we're going to be looking at vastly different drafts league to league to league even if you have very similar uh, people in the league that you may be with. So uh, it, it's going to make for an interesting time. Uh, and, and it's not just based off of their one, the one year of production for Burrow or uh, the, the injury for Tua. It's, it's so many things wrapped together. But I think the, the running back landing spots is really what, what pushed things over the edge for a lot of people. Right. And that running back, you're only going to get that top level production from a running back usually for three or four years. You know, so you want to grab them. And those, if you look at your championship teams, they all have several good running backs, you know, that can do that, you know, three, four of them sometimes even. So I think getting those running backs that'll hit and lead your team is, is so much more important when the quarterback takes a couple years to develop and is going to play for 15 years probably. You know, it's not, I don't feel like there's so much of a crunch to get a quarterback. So, and then like J. Mike said, it's a combination of everything too. The, the landing spots kind of, you know, the Bengals and, Dolphins, yeah, yeah. All right, Dwight, we'll uh, take us to 102, sir. All right, and I'll go with Jonathan Taylor. So i right in the same boat as Jay Mike. Man, I love, Jay, I love Jonathan Taylor's landing spot. One of the best <laughs> offensive lines in football, and that boy's just going to eat, man. I don't see Marlon Mack being much more than a speed bump, man. He's, he might start the first couple games, but I think Taylor's going to take over quick there and run with it. So, yeah, we've seen enough of Taylor, you know, the, the 6,000 or 6,000, 6,000 yards in college, you know, the 900 and some odd carries, you know, he's had the production. He's just going to hit the ground running. He may only last four or five years, but he's going to be amazing in Indy. So I actually love, love, love that spot. He He's right now who I have at 101. So I'll take Taylor at 102 here. Real quick question, Dwight, before we uh, kick it over to Robbie. Do you have any um... – any hesitations with how he may or may not be used in the passing game. Not saying that he can't do it, but we've seen it with Marlon Mack, right? Where he's actually, like, I forget who put out the tweet, but someone did it maybe like a week or so before the draft, just about guys that are actually sent out on routes during, you know, passing plays, but just aren't targeted. Do you have, you know I mean? Any, any hesitation with how that may or may not influence his, his ceiling, or he might fall into that same kind of trap. 
You know, he he might. I mean, that's one of the things you got to worry about. He did catch 20 passes this last year. So you, you know he can do it, and it's just a matter of whether the Colts ask him to because they do seem to have the clearly defined, this is our runner, this is our pass catcher. You know, so I'm hoping they let him do it. But even so, he's going to – I I mean, he's going to be a guy who's going to get 1,500 yards on the ground regardless. So I, I, I don't know. I think he's pretty safe, but he may not have that ceiling. He may not get the con- the contract like McCaffrey – you know, he's not going to be that type of a back, but he'll still be a good enough back. So, yeah, that's something you do have to worry about a little bit. Um, I think Frank's one of the better – Frank Reich's one of the better coaches in the NFL, and I think he'll get the most out of them. So, I'm not horribly worried about it, but it's obviously – yeah, it's there. It's a worry. You do have to worry about it. Do you guys think with these first two guys that they – come in and take the mantle right away? Um, is it more of a split through first six to eight games? What do you think that snap share looks like uh, for each of these first two guys? I don't, I don't speak for J. Mike's guy, but I think probably first three games, four games maybe. I don't think it's going to take long to show that both guys are, are that much more better, that, more, that much more better. I know good English too. Um, <laughs> I think both of those guys are so much better than Damian Williams and Marlon Mack. So I don't think it's going to take very long. So. Yeah. I'm of, I'm of the opinion that Taylor, Taylor will, will take hold of the backfield prior to CEH is doing uh, be, because the, the one thing that you'll recognize is that I feel like you, you can likely leave Taylor on the field, all three downs, all situations and feel pretty good about it with CEH. I don't think you're going to feel great goal line, and I don't think you're going to feel great short yardage. Um, so it may take him longer to to perhaps grab hold of the, the backfield itself. However, his role, though, uh, likely as the primary pass catching option in the offense, I think is going to be unmatched. Uh, although Damian Williams obviously has shown that he can be proficient there as well. And there's still a lot of bot bodies in Kansas City. So curious how uh, Andy Reid is going to leverage those guys because we we saw, what was it, like at least four different people have a, have a halfway decent role last season. Sean McCoy, Damon Williams. Uh, we got a glimpse of Darwin Thompson, not a ton, but then we also had Daryl Williams who gave us fantasy uh, goodness and moments too. So uh, still a lot of people there. Hopefully CH will take over sooner, but I think Taylor's value probably shoots up much higher, quicker uh, would be my guess. Uh, Robbie, go ahead and take the, uh, the 103. Uh, I'll take uh, the value there and, and take Joe Burrow. I think we dipped into it a little bit the – the struggle of, you know, what do you want? Do you want a running back who probably hits uh, quick and in that first year? Um, you know, Dwight had made the the really good observation that I think these running backs um, can hit for um, a couple years, you know, two, three, four years. Might, might not go as long as those uh, quarterbacks, um, but I think when you look at the 101 in, in the prospect that is Joe Burrow, um, I think you're in it for the long haul, and I think that's it's going to be a, a good ride with him. So um, the Bengals um, have some weapons. Uh, probably probably can do a little bit of work on that um, line, but I think uh, I think he's going to be a really good prospect. And I think getting him at 103 is a really good spot, especially if you're a QB needy team. I agree. I will. I'm also going to be a coward here. I cannot follow the uh, the strength. That the you other got no mabas. You got no mabas. <laughs> Are you saying Jesus Christ couldn't hit a curveball? Um, <laughs> at, at four, I, I I'm also going to take the easy way out here, and I I will take Tua. Um, they beefed up the O line for him a little bit. They they didn't add any 
receivers, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they did anything uh, receiver-wise. Um, so I think that's kind of wheels up for for Preston Williams. He's someone I was thinking about today as a, as a, as like a low key stock up, obviously Parker on the outside, man, I really want to see Albert Wilson just be healthy for a full season. I, I just want one more and then that's it. That shout out to, uh, to Kevin Steele for, for the, um, for the comment here. He's a, he's a big, he's a big fan of the show. He's been hanging around for a little bit. So should probably give him some props here. He's always hanging out in the comments and, Maybe it's time we show him some love. Some love. So, thanks, uh, thanks, Kevin, for talking about how nice the the overlay looks here. But yeah, and then if they throw Kaseki in the slot, so I, I am going to take the easy way out. I will take Tua Tanga by Loa at one hundred and four, uh, and let's go back to J Mike at the the one hundred and five until the Emmy Award winner decides that he's he's good enough for the show. <laughs> yeah, I think this creates a really interesting pivot point in a lot of drafts 105 i think can be fun uh depending yeah. on kind of where, where you're leaning how you're feeling uh the value can be in one place uh but you may really love other players uh depending upon your team i find it really really difficult to pass uh on the running backs here uh, so i won't uh i'm going to go with uh the, the next guy was on my board um and I spent way too much time on Sunday organizing kind of what I want my board to look like to some degree. And I'm going with one J.K. Dobbins. Uh, I'm going with J.K. Dobbins here. The, uh, and, and just a, a quick glimpse into my head, I think that he and Swift will, will both have very similar ascensions, if you will. However, I think that Swift's will happen faster. I think that he'll be able to – grasp a, a quicker market share or a larger market share earlier depending upon how how they want to use carry on but i think the swift can take a lot of that backfield now uh whereas Dobbins kind of has to wade through it we'll see if ingram obviously can finish up the year healthy or or if he eats into any of ingram's work because obviously ingram was still really good last year uh, for our fantasy team so i think that Dobbins, uh for me in the offense that he's in leveraging the skills that he showed in rpos uh at ohio state and his ability to be able to run incredibly strong as well as show good lateral versatility uh, like Dobbins in Baltimore in a scheme that's right now just OD. <laughs> Absolutely OD. In Baltimore, uh, right now, everything they're doing feels like gold. Their draft was gold. So uh, I'm, I'm feeling good about Dobbins here at 105. That is a, a perfect fit for, for Dobbins, I feel like. Yeah, of this big four, he's – you love his situation, but he's the one that I could see not taking a full role this year. Yep. But but next year it's going to be, yeah, gangbusters, man. He's going to be – you just love that scheme. But I don't see him totally wrestling it away from Ingram all season. So it'll be one of those annoying situations for this year. But then beyond this year, I can't see him keeping Ingram another year. So you can't – I love that pick, man. I, I was That's a great spot for him. Great, great spot. Dwight, who are you taking here? 106. I gotta take Cam Akers. Gotta you take sound, Cam. You sound upset. No, no, no. I'm not taking Keyshawn Vaughn, Kevin. Anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah. it's definitely Cam Akers. I love the spot. I love that he's doing that. He's gonna get. He should easily take the lead role there. The only thing that worries me a little bit is that he's, you know, they had not the greatest offensive line last year, and he's 
I know he, he ran at Florida State with not an offense, great offensive line, but you know, you know, he's gonna. So I'm a little tiny bit worried about that, but they have not had a back. <laughs> they've not had a back as good as him since you know last year, and it's since Gurley was <laughs> since Gurley was out. Anyway, that, that wasn't a good lead into that one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I like the things that Cam brings to the game, the versatility, the everything that he can do. And I think he'll be all right behind that offensive line. I don't know if he'll, you know, get a thousand yards this year rushing, you know, and stuff like that, but he's going to take a little bit of time to get into the game. But I love the ceiling he has there in that offense. So Sean McVay will do everything he can to get him, you know, in space, you know, running lanes, things like that. So I, I love Cam Akers. I, at 106, that's that's fine. And this is, from what I've seen so far, been almost the top six on every single one I've done so far. So I think I've only done four or five, but I think this has been like the top six super flex, like every like the four running backs and the two quarterbacks. So everyone's wants someone to slip in a wide receiver, but yeah. Do what? Can I ask real quick? Does the does the backfield in LA worry you with the fact that Malcolm Brown? Uh, seemingly was the, the first go-to guy after Gurley. And then the fact that they, they put the uh, capital, what was it, the second or third round pick last year in Darrell Henderson when they traded up for him, does any of that um, sway you or bother you? Obviously it doesn't because you took him anyway, but but how much of that affects affects your viewpoint of, of how, how Akers can move forward? Oh, not at all. I'm not at all worried about those two guys. Like they might spell him for a touch here and there, but I don't see – I think – that Cam has the best shot of being the day one starter of all four of these guys. So I, I'll gladly take him there. And I, I like uh, Henderson couldn't even beat out Malcolm Brown last year. Malcolm Brown has been decent in little spurts, but neither of them are anywhere near the back that Cam Akers is. So yeah, not at all worried. Is this the year we see John Kelly asking, no. asking for a friend? <laughs> no. Hello darkness, my old friend. No. All right, Robbie, where are you going with the next one? I think I'll uh, round us out with that uh, top seven that Dwight was talking about and take uh, Swift here. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll put Swift up a little bit higher. I know that Detroit has kind of destroyed our, our hopes and dreams the last couple of backs that have gone there. But um, Swift, Swift uh, pre-draft was the top running back for me. I just think he just does so many things well and at a really high level that if you're going to get this guy at, at 107, I understand, again, the landing spot isn't always ideal. Um, carry on still there. Um, just that offense just is a little weird sometimes. But they've had productive uh, production. I mean, when carry on is healthy, uh, he, he's been able to produce. Um, they were able to make uh, a couple of relatively irrelevant backs, relevant for a week or two, if I remember right, last year. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think uh, Swift is really good value here. It almost feels like the and I'm sorry to talk speak up again, but with Swift, I, I'm, and I have a question for you too, Robbie, because Swift was he he received my top grade on film uh, for running backs. Uh, some of the things that messed with me a little bit was uh, the long list of injuries that he had to deal with or basically dealt with throughout his time at Georgia. And as well as obviously landing in Detroit, while the opportunity seems nice, obviously we could be looking at a turnover in, in coaching staff. And obviously you believe it's the talent with Trump, all those things. How much? Well, yeah. Yeah. How much at this point uh, since Swift was your top guy, did he take a pretty heavy fall for you? How much do those things factor for you? 
I think we talked about it a lot, uh, Jay, Mike, uh, both in, in these kind of chats and then, um, you know, just in our chats that I, I struck out with A.J. Brown when I let uh, his landing spot um, fall down my ranks last year, and I missed on a ton of A.J. Browns. He was, uh, I think if I remember correctly, he was my wide receiver three. Um, and just I really liked his film. Um, and then he lands with the Titans, and I was like, I just can't get behind that. And I'm trying not to let that affect me as much. Um, obviously, it's going to have an effect. Um, the The injuries they're they're there, but but I knew that beforehand, and I still think Swift uh, does enough where I had him at 101. Um, so when you look at the landing spot, I just I just think it's it's something where if if he if he stays healthy, which is that that first uh, marker that you know he's he's going to produce. Um, I, I think they have a, a good enough line, and they if Stafford stays healthy, they have a good enough offense to give enough, uh, you know, time on the field and enough uh, red zone opportunities where he can produce in year one. I actually don't think Carrion's as dead as most other folks think, but you know, both of those guys have a little bit of injury history, so it just depends on what ha- what shakes out there. So just real quick, while we are on the uh, the subject of DeAndre Swift got my hands on dr ethan turner's uh injury guide i believe he is on twitter at e turner ptff or something along those lines uh, my bad if i completely uh bungled that man but he was on the uh the draft shows that we did thursday and friday he was awesome man that was the first time i actually got to talk with him that it wasn't in in dms but he put together this awesome injury guide um, so for Swift, 43 college games played, zero missed due to injury. But he did have uh, six injuries on here dating back to 2016. So starting in 2016 and moving more recently, it was an ankle sprain. Uh, 2017, undisclosed. Swift missed three practices with an undisclosed, undisclosed injury. 2018, another ankle sprain. It was a he missed a week of practice, uh, but they had a bye week, so he didn't miss any game time. Groin, two groin strains. Swift only played one quarter against Middle Middle Tennessee. Did not miss any games after that. Uh, and then I guess that was a injury he sustained in the off season. And then 2019, left shoulder contusion. Uh, Swift missed the final one and a half quarters against Georgia Tech, but he returned the following week. So. Seems like he's had a lot of those nagging injuries, nothing that's caused him to, to miss time yet. Um, but I believe he said on the on the pod, um, on the live shows, that the best indicator of future injury is past injury. So does anything pop up? I mean, we, we never know. Everyone thought Frank Gore was dead until, I mean, he's still kicking around somewhere. So we know only, only time will tell with him. Yeah, I think that you bring up a really good case, and I think you see that with the running back position a lot is um, – Just in general. Yeah. Just in general, yeah. They take a lot of hits, and I think that might be another reason why I tend to favor the quarterbacks a little bit more. Obviously, we saw 2019 where a ton of quarterbacks went down, which kind of goes against that logic. But obviously, that, that running back position just gets banged up a lot. There's a lot of um, split carries sometimes. And so, um, yeah, it's definitely something to, to note, especially with Swift's history. But – I think, like you said, uh, no games missed and uh, no major, major injury. I'm going to displease Mr. Steele here. Um, <laughs> I'm also not going to take the easy way out this time. I'm going to take the first receiver off the board. Give me hey. Mr. Jalen Rager. Hey. 2020 wide receiver numero uno. 
He got the capital. He got the the landing spot. I really don't think it's that crazy to have him at one. I had him at three um, pre-draft. And then with with the landing spot, the other two guys, I mean, they didn't have awful landing spots, but they, they're definitely going to have more competition for targets than Rager is. And I'm, dude, I'm super excited to see him with uh, with Wentz. Now he finally doesn't have to throw to uh, the ghost of Alshon Jeffrey and XFL star. Or was it even XFL? I don't even think it was XFL. It was the AAF or whatever it was before that. And uh, Greg Ward, so finally getting him a uh, a weapon who can move move a little quicker than a turtle. That is uh, another Alshon Jeffrey dig, and I'm not going to stop. Let's go back to uh, let's go back to J Mike. You have the was this 109, I believe. Yeah, 109, 109, and uh, wide receiver one uh, or quarterback in superflex, where you where you know that obviously. Typically, if they get disrespected and uh, they, they tend to come back and bite people in the butt when you don't take them, you're Josh Allens, you're Daniel Jones, uh, the list can't go on and on, uh, at least with those two specifically. Uh, Justin Herbert was taken with the top six pick in the NFL draft, and I find it hard to pass him here, so I'm not. Uh, Justin Herbert's the pick here at 109. Uh, I will take the value. I'll take the major value bump, even if he just doesn't poop the bed in year one. Uh, the main thing is, can he get on the field sometime in the first year above Tyrod Taylor? And can he give us any kind of positive uh, play, uh, specifically with his athleticism that a lot of people want to talk about? Uh, I want to I see those things materialize with a nice surrounding cast in L.A. Uh, the Chargers have obviously good, good skill players there. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Justin Herbert here. Uh, tough call uh, for me, but but Herbert's the pick here. I debated him over Rager, but had the had to pull the trigger on Rager. Cody and I were were talking about this before you guys jumped on um, with this uh, COVID nineteen and what it looks like for rookies as they join their teams. Obviously, they'll be virtually getting the playbook, doing their own workouts uh, from home. Do you guys see a delay in some of these rookies, whether it's the running back, whether it's Justin Herbert? trying to compete with Tyrod, do you see a delay in them getting those snaps? Um, not not all in, in one uh, one size fits all, but just further back than what they would have if we weren't seeing uh, this type of situation. Yeah, obviously that's a, a something we do have to worry about a little bit because some of these guys would be, you know, flying across the country to work with Keenan Allen and stuff like that, you know, doing things like that they could do to learn. And they'll have the playbook, but they won't have the experience and things like that. So it's probably going to hurt a little bit. I, I still think Herbert's going to be the starter on day one. I just don't have a lot of faith in Tyrod. Yeah, it's going to hurt the rookies. It, it, it's, yeah, definitely some of them. I, I mean, yeah, it's no doubt. I mean, it's going to be – it could be pretty pretty ugly first couple of weeks, you know. So, Yeah. I'm just looking at rankings, trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. You guys got me all thrown off. So, so one ten, I'm going to take the best wide receiver on the Cowboys, Mr. C.D. Lamb. Yeah, that's right, I said it. Best wide receiver on the Cowboys. Anyways, it might take. Do you actually mean that? Yes, I do. I fully, fully mean it. I think C.D. Lamb will take. He may not take the first year jump, you know, that we want when we pick a wide receiver this high. He may not. Yeah, he's not going to get 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns, things like that the first year. He might take a little bit more time. He's got to learn that separation, things like that, to be the elite wide receiver. But I love what he can do down the field, the jump ball ability, the alpha dog mentality. Uh, if Amari Cooper has been lacking one thing, it is that alpha dog mentality. So he's uh, they could end up just being like a 1A, 1B type of thing for a couple of years, but it, it will be C.D. Lamb before 
the next three years, probably with the next couple of years. So I, I love CD a lot. I love what he can bring to the offense. That's going to be a pretty scary offense this year. So yeah, I would gladly take CD here, wait, wait a year or two and have my wide receiver one for the next seven years. So I, I like, I'll take CD at one time at any, any draft, at any, any draft I can get him. So Robbie, you're up. Um, I will follow up with another wide receiver um, in Jerry Judy. It's it's interesting because sometimes the landing spots are, are great, and then the more you think about it that, and all the talent that's around there, you think, well, you know, how many targets can this person actually get, and and what's their role in that team, and, and how do they fit in? And, you know, I kind of – I've gone back and forth on this, this landing spot because I liked uh, Judy, obviously. Um, we've all had him up in our rankings. He was – wide receiver two for me. And so sometimes I think, you know, Jerry Judy might be the guy that, that struggles with all that young talent that surrounds him um, and, and how young the quarterback is. Um, and then other times I think, you know, maybe, maybe that doesn't matter. And maybe it's just that, that talent again, right. That, that we keep on talking about, just trust the talent and rise to this rises to the top. But that team just has so much young firepower around, around uh, lock that I just think there's going to be, um, a lot of, and, and when I say a lot, it's, it's what's that balance too, because you still have a, a second year quarterback um, with a, a defensive minded coach that likes to run the ball. They signed a running back in the off season. And so I don't, I don't know what those targets look like and how many times they're going to throw, but I'm talking in circles, but yeah, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on Jerry Judy. Cause he's a guy that I go back and forth and I'm like, man, I really love this. And, and then other times I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't really know if I love this. I think it's going to be a common a common thread with him is, is talking in circles. You don't know what he's going to do because he's got he is an elite talent in a in an offense where you don't know what Drew Locke's going to do this year. You got heck, you got Noah Fant, you know they got KJ Hamler, Cortland Sutton, Sutton. I mean, just so many good weapons. And Gordon's one of the best pass catching backs out of the backfield. Like, how is he going to get enough passing? You know, is <laughs> how is right. he? Going to, How's he going to get 40 targets this year? I mean, Jesus, uh, it's going to be tough. So, but I do think he's that he is a very good elite talent that will get open underneath a lot. And he should see a good, a good lion's share of those, you know, shorter targets that he can do things with. So that was one of the things that he seemed to really be excel at at Alabama this year in particular was taking those, you know, six, seven yard hitches and crossing patterns and running them, you know, 40, 30, 40 yards downfield. So, I think he's he's got a spot there. I just don't know if he'll be. It's it's yeah. We can talk in circles. He's so at, at, right after the draft, he was my wide receiver one, but then I started talking myself out of that. So I, I just don't know what I don't know what they're gonna do there, man. Drew Locke's got an embarrassment of riches, man. Yeah, and and that becomes the question, right? Because we know Judy's awesome. We know that he's gonna be able to get open. Those are not questions. He's also plugged into an offense with a whole bunch of people who are probably going to be getting open uh, with a very proficient pass catching running back in Melvin Gordon. And all of a sudden you look up and you don't know how big of a pie he's going to be able to have partially because how big of a pie was he able to take from Alabama among similar uh, skill, skill guys. And while I love Jerry Judy, the player, uh, is he going to come in and just command uh, n- n- number two targets behind Cortland Sutton? I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I feel great about that, especially in, a Vic Fangio offense that I think probably wants to run the ball. And I don't know that those pass attempts are going to be near as plentiful as we'd hope for, but Judy's a heck of a player. Uh, I, again, every time I turn 
on tape on him, I see Chad Johnson every single time um, with his footwork. I see Chad so much. Um, so so I, I hope I hope Judy's fantastic. I really do. I, I just I'm, I'm just really curious if he can take that market share that we want him to be to be able to take. But golly, that's that's a fun offense to track. Drew Locke, you better not screw this up. You better not screw this up. Yeah, that to me is the the big question is what does that offense do? If they open it up, then that Jerry Judy at this point is going to be a steal. You know what I mean? But if they keep it close to the vest a little, you know what I mean? Um, if, if they're not going to open up, if they're still going to lean run heavy. But then you look at what they did in the draft, and that doesn't their, – their picks don't exactly say conservative offense. You know what I mean? Then they added Hamler, uh, the what was it, the very next round, I think. You know, so – you you add a guy like Hamler, you have Sutton, you add Judy. Um, do they also pick up Alberto, or am yeah, I making yep. that up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah fan yeah. Alberto, Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon. They got offensive line help. So if man, if they decide they want to open that up, to me those picks kind of seem like, all right, we have Patty Mahomes also <laughs> right. rocking here. Like we like we like there's no way even if we have the 85 Bears defense, I was talking to one of my boys in one of my home leagues and I was saying like, even if you go out and you try to make the 85 Bears defense, you have to play a perfect 60 minutes against Mahomes. You know what I mean? If if you play the perfect 58 minutes, that doesn't matter because Mahomes can still do it to you just like that. So to me, this that kind of seems like it was like all right, we we have to go toe to toe and hopefully. We'll be able to to stay up, so it, it will be interesting with with Locke and how long of a leash they give him. You know what I mean? Like if they put all these pieces around him and he's not going out there and per, like there's no excuses for Locke after this year. I will say that. Yeah, just looking up their stats from last year, Denver as a team through the seventh least amount of times with 504 attempts, 312 completions, and. You know, obviously they can take a step forward as, as Locke enters his second year. But, again, we talk about there's three rookies coming into that offense that would would uh, seem to get playing time. Melvin Gordon uh, is not uh, a rookie but definitely new to the team. Um, so just how how much will they throw, especially early in the season, I think, is as they try and work all that chemistry. So, again, it's dynasty, so you don't have to look at just one year. But we've now fully talked in the circle, and we're ready for that 112 pick. J. Mike, I'm I'm sorry, my friend. No, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, it's not supposed to go down like this. It's, it's going down like this. I thought about taking my guy here, but I, I can't just take my guy and let him fall to you, man. I, I got to go, Justin Jefferson. The, ah, it, it, it fraud, went on. You fraud, boo, <laughs> Cody, boo. It went on too long. Um, I mean. The, the targets are going to be there. I mean, who's he going to have to fight with? Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith. You know what I mean? E- even if I don't think we see a uh, another 10-attempt game from Kirk Cousins the way we did to, to start the year last year. Um, Thielen, he, he's no spring chicken. So if once once he's out of the picture, I I mean, I, I like the spot anyway, but once once Thielen's out of there, um, Justin Jefferson – He's he's in a great spot, and I've I've seen him as high as wide receiver one on some on some ranks, and like I can't I can't really debate that. I I see that, and I'm just like oh, okay, all right, like that's like I'm not I'm not gonna be not gonna be mad at that. So 
J. Mike, hopefully I have you on full tilt here with that snipe. What are you? Uh, what are you doing at two hundred one? Getting ready to pull my hair out. That's what I'm getting ready to do at two hundred one. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, this presents a very, 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 very interesting, interesting thing. Um, yeah, I was I was legitimately banking on the fact that yes, my guy would be here, uh, and I will. You know what? I'll show some love to Mr. Blasty Blast himself. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and if he's still watching, um, this, I, I, man, do I really want to do that? As a Rojo <laughs> stand, this kind of hurts. But this is what I feel like in this, in this draft. This is the last guy that I felt, at least coming in, could be the A side of a uh, tandem uh, of some sort of tandem. I don't think he necessarily has bell cow capabilities, but I thought he, I think he has potential to be the A side of it. Uh, now that he's in Tampa Bay, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but I will take Keyshawn Vaughn here at the 201 with full intention that to some degree, he's probably going to be on the field and spoiled at least some of Rojo's work. Now I'm really pleased that none of those top five guys went and just full fledged took the backfield from Rojo uh, but keep in mind, Rojo is still younger than Keyshawn Vaughn at this very moment. And uh, we saw Rojo take good steps uh, last season as well. But Keyshawn Vaughn coming into an offense that's, again, as loaded as any in the league. Uh, you'd like to be able to see him uh, get some opportunities to be able to uh, implement or basically uh, become an impact in year one for the Buccaneers. Yeah, I personally, uh, as, a, as a Rojo truther myself, uh, J. Mike, I, I I didn't hate Keyshawn Vaughn going here. As you said, as long as it wasn't the top five, and I really like Keyshawn Vaughn. And I think that actually kind of it, it makes me sad because because now Keyshawn Vaughn is, is getting this hype that I think he would have fallen later in drafts if he didn't get this landing spot. Um, so now I have to pay up a little bit to get him. But um, as someone who owns a lot of uh, Rojo shares, I think I'll try and just double dip in that offense and, and try and also get Keyshawn Vaughn. Because I think, like you said, whoever – um, and they're both going to get work. I, I'd like to point out that Peyton Barber to the tote of 3.1 yards per carry got over uh, 130 or so, 140 rushes. Lord knows how that continued. But um, so, yeah, I think they both will have uh, some good games and some good opportunities to uh, make some plays. And then what is on paper, a really prolific offense. So I'd like to double down and get both uh, both backs where I can. Can, can we mute Kevin or no? this is this is the absolute uh, some cody you need to tell your mans this is the absolute wrong place for the rojo slander this this ain't Mm -hmm. it this is not the place there's a lot of places this is this is not it a lot of quarter there's a lot of deep dark corners of twitter where you can spout off all the rojo slander you'd like and get people praising you and lifting you up this right here this right here this is that death. You can't do that here. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin all, all has, up, uh, all up, Kev. Kevin has been in the in the Twitter streets since yesterday. I think just literally just swinging blindly at anyone who comes near him. I, I think his you know his his dying words are just going to be beige on at, at this point. He looked incredibly sleep deprived on on both Thursday and Friday. I thought a couple times he fell asleep during your podcast, during your uh, live broadcast. <laughs> he, he was he was just garnering up the strength to be able to go out just and just be on full <laughs> tilt mode, just swinging like a like a crazy man. So there was that was well deserved rest. 
that he was he was uh, just preparing his body for the onslaught of what was to come. All right, two hundred two. You got ah, going between my mind and mind and my heart here. I don't know, struggling. Uh, I'm gonna go with Henry Ruggs. That's what my mind says. My mind says you've got to take this value here, like this. The draft capital, the offense is gonna be around him. You know, I kept hearing people say, you know, yo, Derek Carr can't throw it as far as Henry Ruggs goes, blah, blah, blah. And I just I just don't buy that. Um, most of what I saw, the most of the damage that Ruggs would do is the type that like Tyreek does, you know, when you catch that slant, you know, seven, eight yards from the line of scrimmage, and then boosh, just gone. So Henry Ruggs is still gonna get his damage. And I I know they drafted two other wide receivers there. I'm drawing a blanket who they got. They got Bowden, didn't they? Or Bowden and Edwards. And Brian Edwards. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That, that's three great role players. That was a very, very intelligent draft. I, I Settle down, Drabi. Um, I, I thought that was great. Like, just a way to build your wide receiver core perfectly. I, I love it. But I think Ruggs will be the, the, one, the one guy there, the 1A in – even if you want to call one of them the one B, but I think he'll be the number one, and that's what my that's what my head says. So I'll I'll take what I think. Is my, okay, body, my body, my body, set me yeah. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong. I don't want to hurt nobody. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So I will yes. Commissioner Commissioner Jobby. E. Higgins. I don't know if I need to say much more. I've uh, spouted enough about T. Higgins every time we get on this, guys. Uh, he is a baller. Just wins in so many ways. I am very, very, very excited if I can get him uh, at this 203 pick in rookie drafts, which by the mocks I've seen the way this is going, it looks like he'll be there. So uh, might take a year, obviously, with uh, A.J. Green looking like he'll be there and Boyd Burrow uh, obviously getting his rookie year under him. But that is a guy I'm excited about. Yeah, Burrow to Higgins is going to be there for a long time, man. I, I love that pick. I was absolutely shocked when he, he was still there at 201, not, or the second round of the actual draft. I was not surprised that he was there, but I was surprised the Bengals took him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I love, love, love that pick. So, yep. He's going to have to beat out Auden Tate first. But if if he got then excited. Move to Auden Tate to tight end. It'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I loved Auden Tate so much when he was coming out. I remember, like, the the pre-draft rookie mocks. I was taking him, like, first round everywhere. Didn't matter where. <laughs> it was Auden Tate. And, then, like, I just kept watching that draft and watching that draft and watching that. <laughs> I, I was glad he, he showed showed a little something this year. Him, him and Alan Lazard, those were two. Uh, yeah. What what looked like two big L's for the code man ended up being slightly not as big L's. <laughs> but man, with with you taking T here, this one's easy for me. I'm going I'm going Denzel Mims. This is a super easy pick. You got the draft capital. I mean, the only thing he has to wait out is Adam Gaze. But other than that, not not a lot of competition for targets outside of. Uh, Outside of Crowder in the slot, he's going to go to the outside. The only hesitation I have is how we've seen that wide receivers tend not to develop under Gase, and I do think that Mims has a little bit of rawness to his game. I do think he has to develop a little bit. Hopefully, Gase won't hold him back too long. 
but I mean, even even if he does, you've got to figure the the targets are going to be there anyway. So Denzel Mims at this point, I love it. He was he was one of my favorites pre draft, post draft, pre combine, post combine. I don't give a damn. He was one of my favorites, so I'm gonna take uh, take Mims here pretty easily. Um, not really, not. I mean, I guess there was one other name I was I was thinking about here, but we'll see uh, see if he goes before it get, gets back to me. J. Mike, back on you. I'm torn between two guys. I won't spoil who the second guy is for the time being, but right now uh, my pick is going to be uh, Michael Pittman. Uh, the wide receiver out of USC going to the Indianapolis Colts, one pick after T. Higgins. And I find uh, them, the, the comparison of those two guys, I had a really rough time to see who was going to be ahead of who. Uh, and, and, and as I told you guys in our, uh, in, in our, scouts, <laughs> in our scouts chat, uh, I was dead wrong about Michael Pittman and the ceiling at which he could be drafted. Uh, I felt like it was it didn't matter – uh, what was going to take place? It was definitely going to be an instance where wherever he lands, he's likely going to be uh, a, a mid to late second round at best. And uh, he wouldn't get the capital, all those good things. Well, he goes at pick number 34 <laughs> to the Colts uh, and he offers that offense uh, as unique uh, a, a target uh, as it has, because nobody's quite built like him on that team. Uh, nobody do, can do the things I think that he can do in terms of high pointing, working well against the sidelines, uh, and, and he can carve himself out a role early, uh, which is really cool to see too. So Michael Pittman uh, wills up in Indianapolis. I, I, I really like the fit there. That was who I was going between him and Ruggs at my last pick, actually. I think he's going to be the, the rookie wide receiver one this year. Like he's going to hit the ground running. And he's just going to take right off. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a thousand yards and nine, ten touchdowns. Like he's just he's that he's they have been so wide receiver starved in Indianapolis, other than Ty Hilton for it seems like five, ten years. It feels like feels like forever since Reggie Wayne left and stuff. So, it's it's been tough, man. So I think he's going to hit the ground running and just just a complete wide receiver. So I like that. Man, I, I wish I wish I could drop gifts into uh into the live stream right now because i'd be i'd be putting the one of the kid like getting blown back and and shaking if you guys know what uh know which man a thousand yards and nine tut tuts yep who who would be your your wide receiver two for 2020 like for redraft purposes is there anyone that you think is is even even close to what you're kind of projecting for for Pittman and his ceiling I think the only for like a redraft for this season, I think Rager is going to be close to that as well. I wouldn't be surprised to see him. I think those two have the best like ceiling for this season. You know, like I say that for Pittman, but that's probably I don't want to say that's all he'll ever be, but that's probably his realistically his ceiling for like his career. I think like he'll always be a very good receiver but he'll never be like that guy that gets 1500 yards and 14 touchdowns, you know, like that Julio Jones wide receiver one type. So he'll just be a really solid low wide receiver one, maybe, you know, probably wide receiver two most of his career. But I mean, he's, he's an older prospect and he's, he's had the seasoning and just how developed his game, his whole entire game is. I think, yeah, he's going to make a quick friend in Phillip Rivers. So, yep. You guys know who I'm taking at 206. So, you can just go to 207. It's obviously Antonio Gibson. So. 
I was surprised you guys let him fall this one, but that's fine. Uh, I've seen him go in the tail end of the first. I, that's crazy, man. As much as I love the kid, I, I, man, that's nuts, man. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take Antonio Gibson here. Um, you know, Geis is never going to stay healthy, I don't think. Um, I, when he, when I first heard the landing spot, I was a little pessimistic, but then I, you know, somebody brought up, Hey, Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera, whatever, Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera, you know, like he, you know, the way that they used Christian McCaffrey and like, yeah, they could do Maybe he can get creatively involved Antonio Gibson in this game. You know, I don't think they're going to put guys in there for 300 touches. You know, even if he is healthy, they're probably going to take him back a little bit. It leaves a role for Antonio Gibson on the field. So I obviously I know they have like six other backs there as well, but I think he's more talented than all of them, probably including Adrian Peterson at his age. I don't know. That might be a little, little spicy to say that. Like it feels weird saying that, but you know, so I think he'll have a role this year. He may not be a guy that, you know, wins a t- helps you win a title this year, but I think they'll get him more and more involved and he's got a little bit to learn as well. So I'll, I'll take the, just the sheer upside of Antonio Gibson here at 206. So. I felt the same way, Dwight. At first, I was like, "Oh my god, it's so crowded there." And then I thought about it. I was like, "Who's really there?" That like, if if he shows well, like, who's really going to stop him? I mean, I, I guess a, a healthy guys like AP. I mean, even even if he can't get past AP for this year, he I can't imagine he's going to be around any longer than this year. Bryce Love and Pate, like, it's just a bunch of a bunch of jags, honestly. Mm-hmm. And they use that draft capital. I was stunned to see him go that high. I was going to uh, ask you. Yeah. yeah. I was Biggest shocked. Champion. I was like, where, did, where did you have him, did you think? I thought he'd go third, maybe fourth. Yeah. I was I was shocked. Like, I was like, whoa, nice. We'll take it. So, yeah. I guess he did go third. I thought he went in the fourth. I, I was thinking he went late second for some reason. Well, that was, the, it, was, it was like the second pick of the of the third. So, yeah, I, so I can see where you, you know. Yeah. Third. third. Nice. All right. Robbie? We're getting really interesting in the drafts because there's just a ton of different directions you can go. Um, Dude, this, and, and this entire second round is just flip, flip a coin. You know what I mean? If we put any of these guys really in any order, like, are we really – like, is it really going to be, like, that crazy? Right. 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 Yeah. I've seen a lot of the, the early second kind of – uh, fill some of those wide receivers that have fallen out of the first, and and we've we've hit most of them with Rugs, Higgins, Mims. Um, so then, I, yeah, I just think this mid second is where it just gets all sorts of wild. Um, I think I will uh, go with Lavishka Chenault um, with the Jaguars. Uh, I think he he really matches up well with what Gardner Minshew does. You know, I was a big I was a big D.D. Westbrook. Westbrook fan, but I think I'm finally done with that. I've just been waiting so long. I think I'm done. And Chris Conley, uh, yeah, I'm done. So I think I am removing those badges from my vest and putting on the Lavishka Chanel uh, badge because I think he just does uh, a lot of things well with uh, what Gardner likes to do. So, yeah, I thought that was a, a good landing spot for him. Um, I'm kind of scrolling through the scrolling through the chat here and I am I am surprised to see that we still have a first round wide receiver who is yet to go off the board. I am not the biggest fan, but draft capital alone, scheme alone, I like there's there's another receiver I know you guys know what I'm talking about that I, I like a lot more. 
um, just <laughs> in a. I'm I'm letting this happen. Okay, I, if I want to be payback, exactly. Payback. It's not. Pay, I could take him right here if I wanted to. Then do I, it, coward. It's the second time you, you can coward. do it. <laughs> I'm still gonna, <laughs> I'm still gonna stay with the uh, with the first round draft capital in the Kyle Shanahan offense. And I'm gonna go Brandon Ayuk here. Um, this could be maybe a, a topic for a for a different uh, Kamikaze pod, but the whole coach speak post draft. Apparently, Shanahan had Ayuk as his top receiver ahead of Lamb, ahead of Judy. Ahead of Jeff, ahead of everybody, had Ayuk as his number one, um, and I believe they traded up to snag him as well, right? So, yes, they did. I'm, and you got to think we typically don't see the elite defenses the way that San Francisco played last year carry over year to year. So if they take a step back, and maybe if that running game falters just slightly, that'll open up more targets. Um, I still have faith for my boy Debo. Still love Debo. Obviously, Kittle's there. Um, but, you know, as soon as Shanahan started talking, he started talking about get open, I'll scheme you the ball, that sort of thing. So I'm going to I'm gonna trust Shanahan here, and I'm going to uh, gonna rock with him at the, at the 208. Uh, J. Mike, go ahead and do what you're going to do. I'm going to leave that for someone else or for you. But, but just for – for for the purpose of this, I am. Um, I have who who your man's is in this same tier of guys post draft, the the, the Lavisca, Ayuk, uh, your man's, and then my man's again. I have them all like right there in their own tier. Those those four guys, uh, but right here, I'm actually going to go Zach Moss. Uh, I I really enjoy the Buffalo Ooh. landing space, and I really enjoy uh, what Zach Moss can do on the field. I love how he actually destroys people at times. And I love his versatility, even though he's injury riddled. However, another guy that I think has the capability of being, and I didn't think this before the draft, but being paired with Singletary, I could see Moss being the A side of the committee. Um, I, I like Singletary a lot. So I don't want to, no Singletary slander. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that, but I think Moss could be the A side of, of that group. So I'm going to go with uh, Zach Moss here uh, for, for the, for the, <laughs> Blasty Blast doesn't enjoy that one very much, uh, but he's also a Keyshawn at 104 guy, so I don't know what to, what to think about that. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> yeah, I'll hang, I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, Kev. Uh, I love uh, it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going Zach Moss here at 209. Um, thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. And, man, don't mess up my last pick, whoever's going to have it, man. Oh, no, no, that was my last pick. That was. <laughs> that was. That was yeah, that's why, that's why I thought it might be a good spot for you to duck I appreciate out. you. Appreciate you, Dwight. Appreciate you guys. Love y'all. Uh, holla at y'all. Here, here shortly. Ooh, a fancy schematic. We're getting, we're getting fancy up in here. Somebody paid for graphics. Yeah, look at your graphic down there at the bottom. <laughs> Man, just leaves me in a yeah. This is two ten. It just there's like eighteen guys I want. Um, <laughs> so I know that really narrows it down some. Yep. Yep. This is a super flex draft, and I'm going to go with Jordan Love. So I think he landed in a pretty good spot there. I I don't think they should have ever took him in the first round. I think that was the dumbest pick in the history of dumb picks. I, I thought that was the stupidest thing ever. But he does land in a good situation where the Packers seem to be 
almost ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers, you know, probably a year or two, at least one, maybe two. You know, you might see that exit. They might just kind of shove him out the door. Love's got that big arm. He needs a couple years to sit behind and learn the nuances of the games. You know, he threw a lot of picks in college this last season. So there's a lot of things to like about his game. He's got an NFL arm, but the the NFL mental ass side needs to catch up. So I'll take a, a risk here and throw a dart throw with Jordan Love at 210. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, I think, like you said, when when that pick showed up in the first round, everyone was kind of like, "What is going on?" Um, so and weird. You, and you can only imagine what Aaron Rodgers thought because oh, imagine yeah. you just went. What did they go? Thirteen and three. You went to the NFC Championship. You uh, your biggest need is wide receiver and offensive tackle, kind of the two things, especially you know on the offensive side that can really help a quarterback. You feel like you're right there, and then the team trades up and drafts your successor. I can, I cannot imagine. Um, yeah, Dwight, if you had asked me before that, I would have said, you know, I think Rogers can play for you know five more years, and and he probably still can, but I don't, I don't know if that's what the Packers. That, that relationship just took a hit. Yeah, this the writing appears to be on the wall. Aaron Aaron Jones is only one year under contract. They didn't get any wide receivers. You know, they almost seem like they're setting themselves up for kind of a downfall a little bit. I mean, they've they've their defense surprisingly is one of the best they've had in years, and they've done really good addressing it. And I mean, Aaron Rodgers didn't have a horrible season last year. I wanted to look at it. He had four thousand yards, twenty six touchdowns, only four picks. You know, but it definitely didn't seem like it was he was the Aaron Rodgers of old. Those are definitely numbers not to shake a stick at by any means. But he doesn't look like the kind that had that. Uh, that killer mentality, you know, that you go into the fourth quarter and Aaron Rodgers, if it was close, you just knew he was going to take the game over. And yeah, you know, it just didn't. Yeah, no, no. I know they went thirteen and three, but it just didn't seem like Aaron. Right. They were they were probably. Uh, I don't know if the right word is overrated, but where you're not as strong as that record uh, shows. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers just when you when you look at the touchdowns we're used to seeing with up there at 35, 36, 40, and then the last two years albeit one of the years he was injured, he's been down in, I think, 26 was last year. So I think that's why we really notice it in fantasy is that he's still slinging it, but he's just not getting the same uh, end zone production. And a lot of that probably had to do with Aaron Jones getting 18 touchdowns last year. Right, and their wide receivers are – they're okay. I mean, I, I like you, we mentioned before, I'm a Lazard fan as well. Um, but they're – you know, I'm not going to ever say Lazard's a world beater by any means. You know, he's – yeah, so – to 11? Yeah, so I think I was going to go a different direction until you went with Jordan Love because I tried to do my mocks like I probably would in an actual draft. And um, if I think my player might be coming up next, I'm going to snag him. So um, I am a Jacob Eason guy. And I really, really, really like his landing spot with the Colts. It was a spot that I um, had projected for him. I thought he'd go there to the Colts in the third. Um, he ended up going there in the fourth, um, so a little bit later. But – um, I think that's just a great opportunity to get behind Philip Rivers, someone who um, I think he can really learn from. Um, and then Brissett, I think, is, is on the last year of his deal. So I'm not sure if he's in the Colts' uh, future. Um, and then we, we, we talked about some of the weapons that, that they're getting around them. Obviously, Hilton's a little bit long in the tooth, but Pippen's there. Um, they do have Paris Campbell from last year, um, just dra- drafted uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor. So 
I think they're going to be another one of those uh, up and coming offenses um, that you want to be around. So I'm going to take Jacob Eason obviously has some work to do. Um, probably not going to start year one. Shouldn't start year one if you ask me, but I really like him as a long-term player. Yeah. He's one of those guys that landed in the right situation. And I I've been in Superflex the couple I've done so far, I've grabbed him crazy late, like fourth, fifth round of rookie drafts. That's silly. Like yeah, he's worth a shot. Cause at that point you're taking, you know, like backup tight ends and crap. So right. why not take a dart throw on him? So, yeah, I don't know how, how late we'll go, but where would you guys take him? Uh, like, do you think this is on the, the early, early side? Is this where you guys have seen him? Do you see him going in the third round? Where do you guys see him most of the time? It seems it's early. I mean, it is, yeah. But, I mean, you, you're still going to get those guys that are going to go after Hurts before this. And, mm-hmm. you know, Hurts probably would have been the next quarterback off, the, one, the ones that I have seen. Um you probably could have went late in the third, but if it's your guy, go get him. You know, why not? I think there's some really good wide receivers still on the board, so that's yep. kind of my opinion. Yep, and I agree. Anthony McFarland and stuff. So, I don't know, Cody, you said that just for Kevin. No, I like I like <laughs> I like McFarland a lot. I'm curious to see what's going to happen in Pittsburgh, but they've always been a you know a one running back team, and I don't yep. think he's one running back running back. So right, right. Cody, man, I I love you guys. I like I I can't believe that I, I feel like you did this just for me. So I I, I really appreciate it. But dude, this has to be Brian Edwards. Can we can we just like who else who else would it be? You, you can pay us back for leaving him for you by uh, getting uh, getting off some of our players in Kamikaze auction when it starts. We'll each we'll each text you a player <laughs> that you don't get to bid on, and we'll. Uh, that's how you repay us. I mean, do do we? Does anyone even have any money in that league for this year? Uh, Trey, yeah, <laughs> so Trey out, out, outside outside of Trey. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Ask the commish. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, it'd be between Edwards, Claypool, and Dylan for me here. Those are the only three I would look at at the spot. Yeah, I think Claypool would have been uh, who I went if I didn't go with Eason. So noted for. My drafts. Yeah, so for this has been my guy since the, since the beginning of it. Obviously, this is who I was alluding to earlier. Whenever I took Ayuk, um, I still love Edwards. Uh, Ray Garvin put out a tweet uh, a day or so ago. I can't remember when I saw it, but basically just talking about um, his his kind of. I don't even know if you would necessarily even call it a, a bold prediction, but just saying that Edwards is actually going to be the the alpha in that offense over rugs in 2021. So, I mean, I, I could absolutely see that happening too with, with rugs being a little bit more of a, of a role player, so to speak. Love Edwards, really, really not much else to else to say here. He, he can do it all. I know Robbie, me and you have kind of gone back and forth uh, about him a little bit, but um we have a we have a surprise guest, guys. We we've been we've been hitting this guy up for like six months now. Um, you know, I, I reached out to him. I said, "Man, I really really love the show Bar Rescue. It would mean it would mean a lot to all the Kamikaze guys if you could if you can make some time for us." Berg, we just finished up two twelve. I took uh, I took Brian Edwards. Um, let's say you're starting the beginning of the third here. 
who would be, I guess you probably have no idea who went. So this, this would be good just to give a little bit of a recap as well. So we went 101 was Clyde. Then we went JT, Burrow, and Tua finally came off the board at three and four. Dobbins, Akers, Swift, Rager, Justin Herbert, Lamb, Judy, and Justin Jefferson finished out the first. 201, we kicked it off with Keyshawn Vaughn, Henry Ruggs, T. Higgins, Mims, Pittman, Antonio Gibson, LaVisca Chenault, Brandon Ayuk, Zach Moss, Jordan Love, Jacob Eason, and then I just finished off with uh, with Brian Edwards. Berg, give us uh, give us give us some late guys here. Uh, you know, start just start talking, man. I I wasn't even sure if you guys were still going, so I wanted to uh, just check it in, and then I should have been more prepared. Um, so um, let me let me let me bring up my my ranks here. See where I would go. You know, I was I was so stoked. From this draft, like I honestly like, I, I don't think I've ever been so excited um, for fantasy uh, than after this draft because I, I I love the landing positions for so many players. I, I was putting on my headphones for the the tail end, um, but I um, <laughs> it's all right. Uh, um, so who was the last few uh, in got, the, in the I round? Got, I got him here. You can see the chat. These rankings that you speak of are are the are they updated post draft? Are you still kind of working on that process? Where are you at with these? They were my as I, I when I tweeted them out, which uh, it, it generated so much interaction. Literally, like one guy was like, "Good list." Um, I'm going in. <laughs> um, no, but um, um, I, I thought about th- this. Is I my thought about replying, Berg, but the. Your number twenty five, like it just it like it made me sick to my stomach, and I was afraid I would I would insult you as a human being, so I I, I couldn't do it. His number twenty five. I'm so I, I'm ready to hear who this is. Uh, my number twenty five, I think, was Jalen Hurts. I had him pretty buried. Oh, what? You, you must. All right, never mind. Twenty four, twenty four. Jalen Hurts, AJ twenty five. Yes, and then you must have changed it. That that was definitely not the case. When I first saw it, oh, so I, I, I did make I one. Oh, 26 one. is Brian Edwards, his last okay. guy. I, that's where it is. Okay. Fist the cuffs, they're going to fly. Well, you have 24. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, okay. So, Brian Edwards went. All right. Let's take a look here. I would go. Let me just, I see the chat here. I see your top guy still there. That's uh, hasn't been taken. Uh, who is it? Who's my top guy? Who's I think it? your top guy still available is a little Devin Duvernay. Yeah, but you know what? Um, oh, he's I, going against I, the I, rankings. I, I think I never know how good your rankings are until you're on the clock. Mm-hmm. That is that is a true. That, that is, is the absolutely true. Well, I I saw a tweet that um, did. Um, it, it did shape my opinion. Um, so, but I, I think I would go AJ Dillon here. I believe who I believe is still available. He is, yes. And uh, you know, fairly decent draft capital. I believe Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are coming into contract years. Um, you could be sitting here at the what is this? The top of the third round with with, with the starting. You know, there's the range of outcome where he's the starting running back for the Green Bay Packers next year and. 
You know, I think the the point of I think the point of rookie drafts uh, is to shoot your shot on these top end running backs that'll just accrue more value than um, some of these more more highly touted wide receiver prospects who we might like in the process, but might decrease in value a little bit over that first year. And the classic, uh, you know, trade for them after this year scenario. Dwight, uh, what's your what's your time schedule look like? Uh, do we want to yeah. run another round uh, so we can get Bergen here and kind of just see what the third round looks like? I probably should balance. I got to. Okay. just just want to check. Yeah, I was just kind of looking through to see what. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you guys Our can brother. go through it. Sorry, Berg. Oh no, I I'm sorry, guys. I wish I, I you know I was like fired up uh, yesterday. I'm like I'm in, and then um, my my day um, it was it was a day. It was a day in the life of uh, of work. I'll tell you that. We've been, <laughs> we've been taunting you mercilessly, mercilessly. Well, I I'm sorry, but I, I wasn't. I didn't. I, the Voltron, the arm of the Voltron was missing um, <laughs> for the. Uh, Kamikaze um, scouting or Kamikaze scouts, um, right? But I'm glad I was able to hop in here at the end, and I feel like that's a good pick, AJ Dillon. Absolutely, I do. I agree. Dwight, give us one more pick, and All then right, I'll go ahead and get out of here. God damn it! I just threw everything down. Well, well then, um, yeah, well, just wipe the screen. It's done. Then Anthony McFarland. Anthony McFarland. Anthony your next pick, anyways. All right. That'll work. Appreciate you jumping in, man. We we didn't sign uh, J Mike off, but he is at J Mike check and Dwight Peebles is signing off here. You can find him on Twitter at FF Peebles champ. Thanks for joining man. So awesome. Take care guys. Later brother. Later bro. So that's a, that's a, um, a good place to kind of, to, to start here with you, Berg. Uh, it was a question we had from one of our top fans in the, in the chat a little, little bit earlier, um Kevin Steele not sure if uh if you've heard of him or not but he asked us uh what our thoughts were on Anthony McFarland so Berg I'll start with you here see if you have any any thoughts on the running back that the Steelers took out of Maryland um day three at some point fourth fifth round I believe something like that any any thoughts on him where does he fall in your ranks have you gotten that far or just your uh your general thoughts. Here we go. I have him a little bit further down in my ranks at the moment. Uh, I think I have him ranked 39th, which is the, the tail end of the third, probably too low because that running back room in uh, Pittsburgh is not exactly the healthiest crop. And you, you want to avoid giving people that injury prone label. But at the same time, I think it's a bit unavoidable considering, you know, Connor was so injury pl- plagued last year. Um, I think that, this is a guy that is explosive and um, you know has a a chance to do some damage. I think Benny Snell is, is nuked. I think his value is over. But you know, with the Steelers, they they really want that depth. I think at one point, uh, Kareth White was on the field for them uh, towards the end of the season, and he was a UDFA um, was in the backfield with Florida Atlantic's uh, own uh, Devin Singletary. So I think it's a nice uh, a nice piece for the Steelers and, you know, projecting him as, you know, the next Le'Veon Bell. I think that's a bit much, but I do think he is a guy who could definitely um, accrue some value over the course of the season. 
and uh, someone you might want to keep in the back of your mind when DFS rolls around. Robbie, any any thoughts on McFarland? Well, I think he does the stuff well that you want to see in the NFL today. Um, that that running back room is so interesting. Like you have Connor, and then I just I don't know. Like it's it's Nell and Samuels. I'm only, like I could easily see McFarland playing over them, you know, or vice versa. I can see them, uh, you know, hanging on to their spots. So I don't think they're anything great, and I think uh, McFarland does um, what what he does. He does really well, and so they're going to maybe kind of force some of the, their offense to to include what he does really well. Being the resident negative Pittsburgh homer, the, he has some juice. Whenever I first watched McFarland, I saw more like more athlete than running back, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like if, if he got to the edge, he was picking up chunk yards. If it got kind of like gobbled up in the middle at all, like I didn't really see him create too often for himself. It, he, you know, it kind of just shut down. Almost reminded me of like uh, uh, Darrell Henderson in that sense. You know what I mean, if the hole was there, if he got to the edge, forget about it. You know what I mean? But I just don't know if Pittsburgh is the is the spot for him. We I, we we touched on a little bit earlier. Um, it's a it's a place where they just basically use one running back run him into the ground until he either, you know, doesn't show up for training camp and games or he, he gets injured. So I, I wish I had more faith in them to use him in the way that he should be used. But I, I, I just, I, I honestly don't, I think we, once Connor goes down, whether that's for one game, two games, six games, whatever it is, because it's, it's inevitable he's going to get injured at some point. His running style and his injury history, they just don't mix well together. So I think at some point maybe we see him, but I don't think we see a lot of McFarland until Connor goes down, and that that would just be be my big worry with it. And also that offensive line isn't what it used to be a year or two ago either. You know, they lost some guys. Some guys retired, so – First of all, I just hated their entire draft to begin with, but that's a that's another story for another pod. But I, I would have been way more excited for McFarland if he would have landed somewhere like San Fran or Tampa Bay. You know, I mean, some place where I would feel like, I mean, even like uh, even if he would have gotten drafted behind Jonathan Taylor and in Indy, like some place where I feel confident, or even behind Miles Sanders in Philly, like some place where I felt confident that the coaching staff would know how to utilize him outside of injuries ahead of him. So I didn't hate him coming out, but I, I really don't don't like the landing spot. The nice thing for me, though, is with, with being in some, some home leagues in Pittsburgh, him and Chase Claypool are going to go well before I would take them, so it's going to push down actual good players to me. So that is, that is the only silver lining here. And we have, we have another, another comment from Kev, Kevin Steele, uh, Tune in tomorrow for me to tell you why Cody is wrong about McFarland. So we will be chopping it up about the, these uh, these landing spots a little bit more tomorrow. Not going rookie mock style, but just going uh, kind of draft order and position by position and going over some of these guys. So after McFarland, Berg. Can, can, get- I, just, can I give one last uh, thought on McFarland? Please he definitely do. seems like a, a prime candidate for a team preseason. And um, – Someone that you know they're going to keep probably keep Connor, Connor off the field, 
Um, Samuels will get some run, but then it's going to be some heavy McFarland. And if the guy has a few splash plays, I think we all have been playing fantasy long enough. Or if you're if you're listening to this um, and you're new to fantasy, like preseason hype is real and it drives narrative. And suddenly, you know, a scenario where McFarland's going to be the guy in Pittsburgh could be trotted out, and you know, suddenly you're the guy you got in your third round is now a second round pick and and all it took was a few plays in the preseason so i think that there's a lot of things to like uh from a value standpoint for mcfarland yeah and especially if you're having your if you're in a dynasty rookie draft and you're having that later on in the year and he does get that uh and he does get that preseason bump that would that definitely would be something something to uh to monitor I'm afraid I might have just been kicked off the uh, the regular TFA pod in favor of uh, in favor of Burke here. He's gonna he's just, he's just gonna show up late at the end of the show, and he just he's just gonna steal everything from me. Speak some McFarland loved, and you are in. <laughs> You're in. Yeah. Well, what who, who else we got here? Um, I think we've we've covered McFarland a lot. I do appreciate that, Kevin. Though, thank you very much. Um, uh, who would you who would you take here after uh, McFarland? Who'd be who'd be your next guy? All right, hold on, let me look here. I have DJ Dallas, either that or Lynn Bowden, or Josh Kelly. I think that's an. I, I think that you might actually want to move Josh Kelly up to the top of that tier. Josh Kelly ended up in a great situation, and he showed a lot of of athleticism and burst at the senior bowl made a lot of waves i'm i'm almost 100 percent sure the senior bowl process is why he uh went from uh a small school to one year at ucla to the to the pros so you know there's a lot of positive things to like about uh josh kelly and one of the i think the main things and this is kind of a running theme now is that running back room is just it's 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 Justin Jackson who got hurt, and it's it's Eckler. You know, it's not uh, not a mountain to climb. So, yeah, I mean that's that's spot spot on right there because you have Eckler, um, smaller guy. Um, you have Justin Jackson, who I, I just think, as we've said with some of these other guys before, he's a jag. And so Joshua Kelly is, you know, not not. I can I can foresee where he is getting you know 15 touches a game because I mean if he's filling part at least part of that Melvin Gordon role uh, with Eckler kind of doing more of the receiving work uh, with uh, let's say Tyrod you know plays for half the season and then you have a rookie come in they're going to be running more um, you can see Joshua Kelly having a lot of success year one I don't love him as a prospect but I think that landing spot uh, really bumps him up for my board so I can definitely get behind that. Would you like to wax poetic about either of the other two uh, names you threw out there, Bird? Well, I think that Lim Bowden in uh, Las Vegas is um, very interesting. I know that, you know, obviously they have a, a, a true bell cow and Jacobs in that backfield. Um, but we all know that Carr is the check down uh, king. And I think that um, what Bowden does is he, he takes those plays and, and he, you know, turns them into big plays. So, that's that's a nice I think role for him, and I think he's a guy that, if anything were to happen to, to Jacobs, he could you know handle a little bit of the RB one duties. I think that we saw enough you know who's a leading rusher in the SEC last year I believe 
So I think that we know he can handle a little bit of workload. Uh, I know that was like in the back half of the season, but you know, the guy obviously um, knows how to run the football and he's just, I, I like his, I like what he does. He's a playmaker, you know, and with DJ Dallas, I think that Seattle seems like a place where guys get on the field. Travis Homer was on the field last year, you know. Um, they seem to be a little bit, uh, you know, I, I don't want to go back to I'm going to try to say something other than injury prone, something a little bit um, different than just writing that proverbial cliche. But um, I think that DJ Jealous eh, offers a lot in terms of his pass catching ability and uh and he's a bruiser too like you know if they are gonna be at the goal line you could see him in there very easily especially if anything happens with carson or penny you know penny's coming off acl surgery i believe um so he's not gonna be unless he's like cooper cup where the acl doesn't matter at all and uh, he's back game one 100 fine um <laughs> uh so he you know could still be rehabbing so that is just carson and he got banged up at the end and they 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 run the ball in Seattle. They put these guys out there, and it's not necessarily even a guy being injury-prone. It's just they use the running back position a lot and putting them in a position to get hurt. So, yes, he's a bit of a depth piece right now, and I, I do think that you know Homer you know, is probably in his way more than I, I would care for, but I liked that pass-catching ability, and I feel like he's got better long speed than – than a lot of people think he's got a lot of breakaway runs in college and he's got, he's got the ability to handle himself to go line. Dude, the, the thing with, uh, the thing with DJ Dallas is all he has to do is, is make Pete happy during the, during the preseason and whatever version of training camp we have. And then if Carson fumbles, if Penny can't get ready, I mean, what else is there? You know what I mean? So he's, 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 one, he's one of those guys who, you know what I mean? By mid-season, something like that, you could be looking at someone who's getting the the lion's share of the carries. So that's that's uh, he's definitely going to be an interesting to watch and interesting one to watch. And I think at at this point of you know early, mid, late third kind of range is uh, a place where you want to take somebody like that. Who I mean, his floor might be zero, but his upside. I mean, you could be you could literally be looking at a at a twenty carry back. Right. I think when you're looking at this spot in the draft, you want to do high risk, high reward, and you want to do it honestly for who can do it early, because that's where you can either take that value and flip that value for something else that you might want, or you can realize that it is sustainable. It's, it's that high reward, right? So I think the, those players that you've been naming, Berg, are definitely some of those players. So I'm on board with those. All right, boys. We're about to hit a uh, hit an hour and a half here. Let's uh, let's just kind of finish up with some, you know. Let's just spit out some names. Don't give you know too much uh, too much analysis on any of them. Uh, Robbie, throw out some names here, guys that you're you know surprised that are still available, or guys that you'd be looking to uh, to snag here if you had the the next couple of picks. Who do you like at this point? I think you said his name. I didn't catch what you said, um, but Chase Claypool um, is somebody that that I have that's probably not going to last this long in, in mock drafts or in, excuse me, in real rookie drafts, just that draft capital. Um, obviously the combine, I really liked his tape even before I, I remember um, writing to all you guys and saying, who is this uh, other guy when I'm watching Cole Clement tape? 
Um, so Chase Claypool is someone that I like. DPJ, Donovan Peoples-Jones, he didn't have the draft capital that I thought he would. He was, what, a sixth-round pick. But um, behind Landry and OBJ with the Browns, I think he's going to be next up um, personally. And so I really like his landing spot there. Let's see, we said Zach Moss. Yeah, those are the, the, the two that I'd name. Maybe K.J. Hamler, again, with the Broncos. They just have so many weapons. I don't know yeah. how, how much he really uh, – how effective he is early, but I, I really like the player. And as we know, and we've said 100 times already, injuries happen. And so um, you can definitely see him as, as somebody that can contribute if there's uh, maybe not so many weapons around Locke. Um, but, yeah, those are probably the the big uh, names. I mean, you and I have always talked about, uh, you before me, uh, Isaiah Hodgins uh, with going to the uh, Bills. Um, he was their second wide receiver taken behind Gabriel Davis. I'll be honest, I do not I do not know much about Gabriel Davis. I'll, I'll need to dive in. Um, but as, as Diggs can kind of move around um, that offense, I think uh, uh, Hodgins is someone who uh, maybe not year one, they obviously have their, their established vets there still, but – um, he's someone who could maybe kind of like a Miles Boykin where he kind of picks on uh, picks up some steam late, um, and maybe that second year is where he can uh, make a little bit of noise. Yeah, I, I think I think all that makes sense. I, I like the DPJ call, Hodgins. That just that that hurts my that hurts my heart. I, I thought he'd have some draft <laughs> some draft capital, but uh, he did not. So that one that, that it, one's. It's whatever, right? Like, what, what did you think he'd have? Like, maybe fourth would be a bit rich, like maybe fourth. But I was, I, I was thought something. Or, I was thinking fifth or sixth, and so he kind of went. Yeah, yeah. I, I, thought, I thought honestly, yeah. it's just that they took a wide receiver before him and then dipped back for him, which is fine. But if it was Diggs, and then they have uh, uh, Smokey Brown and and Beasley, and and then you know if some of those guys move on after a year, you know that's that's someone I'd fire up. But I, I need to dig into Gabriel Davis a little bit. Uh, to see how that affects. Yeah, I think he was, um, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, kind of like a, a deep ball, you know, outside kind of guy. If I, I believe, if memory serves, I think there were some people who were excited about him going into this year. Just some quick names I'll throw out here, and we'll wrap it up. Obviously, being super flex, I don't think we mentioned him yet, but Jalen Hurts, just because of the because of the format with with the the injuries that Carson Wentz you know kind of just seems to be nicked up banged up a, a bunch, that was another weird pick to me. Honestly, kind of the same thing with the, with the Jordan Love pick with how early that happened. Um, I, I, I'd be super curious to see how how much further he would have fallen if the the Eagles had not taken him there. Darrington Evans is another guy. Uh, got got some juice, you know, kind of be that that lightning to the thunder, and then obviously Derrick Henry is only on the the franchise tag for this year. So, I, I mean, I, I don't see him being being a true workhorse, but I think he could be a heavier part of a committee than we might see him be used this year. And then um, just a couple other quick names here: Van Jefferson is just kind of the it's a draft capital that has me intrigued. Like I did like him as a player, but the fact that the Rams had so many other needs that, you know, they, that they kind of, they seems like they just like didn't really care about like full Packers, like offensive line. Maybe I don't like bird Bird can get into that. I don't think we have enough. Are you you like, um, yeah, you're about to, (laughs) 
get me triggered, man. Oh, my my <laughs> night was ruined with the Van Jefferson pick. But you know what? I've I've spent the entire um, time since he's been picked and rationalizing it into a positive, um, which I'm in an okay place with, I think. Um, <laughs> but That's what fans are supposed to do. You did it <laughs> Just rationalize it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe it will be good. But yeah, I think um, for me, uh, just a couple names here, uh, Robbie. It seems like we have a lot of guys uh, in the same tier uh, as well. Um, but I, I think that at the end of the third, beginning of fourth, is when you know it's going to be okay to start taking tight ends because while this wasn't uh, a class that was, you know, very well received in the prospect process by the fantasy community, I think that they all landed in very exciting spots to, to to actually pique some interest. You talk about Cole Komet. It really seems like Nagy is searching for his version of Kelsey. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he went out and he got Burton. That didn't really work out. Um, and now he's drafted uh, a, a guy who really fits that mold of a, of a, you know, six, 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 seven, two sixty five guy, which I think Komet is, which is like that, you know, that classic Gronk Kelsey size. Um, and then I think Troutman to New Orleans, Adam Troutman. Uh, obviously, the tight end position has not been of value for the Saints since Jimmy Graham. But at the same time, you know, uh, you don't know what could happen. I mean, they, they, I feel like there's some excitement there with, with Troutman. He's a guy that a lot of scouts liked. They liked his athleticism coming from, I believe, out of Dayton, small school. You know, not, you know his when you watch his tape, it's on, on, like on a VHS. But um, – I think that um, especially if, you know, famous Jameis makes his way on the field or if he's more than just, uh, you know, if more than just catching a cup of coffee, as people love to say there, um, you know, Winston loves the tight end. You know, he uh, had made uh, what's his name? And um, God, why am I blanking on his name? The tight end. Cameron Bray, a thing, especially for um, DFS. And then I think uh, Bryson Hopkins, you know, the, the Rams also, you know, utilized the tight end, especially at the end of last year with Higby. So I think uh, shooting your shot, especially because a lot of your leagues, if you're listening to a podcast like this, they are tight end premium. I think it's you're okay to, to, to shoot your shot on some tight ends that might, hey, that might be worth a damn, even though no one thought that about two weeks ago. Maybe less than two weeks ago on Wednesday of last week. Cody, real quick, need to just mention uh, Tyler Johnson. Yeah, got to mention. Um, I think just landing with the Bucks. Uh, yep, you can you can pass. I will I will uh, jump in there. I, I think he just had really good tape. Uh, the draft capital wasn't there. Um, Off the field stuff has has been the rumor mill, but yeah, man, he's someone. Don't you don't you think he's someone that can come in just like week nine and and Brady just targets him eight eight receptions for like 90 yards and two touchdowns. He just seems like a guy that they're just going to say, all right, week eight, nine, 10, one of those weeks, we're just going to target him and make him look great. Yeah. Like maybe once uh, Rob Gronkowski's like, shit, I actually don't want to do this. Oh, so I, week, I week thought three, I did week three. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe week nine is their, their uh, first, is, their first Thursday night game. It's like, man, I, I actually forgot how much this shit sucks. And yeah, uh, Losing those forty pounds has not has not really helped me out for for this. So, but yeah, man, I that that was that was such a nice spot. I was so happy to see him go there. He's he's someone who throughout this process, like I get it. Like once we hear that enough, and 
then you had the the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl snub, and then the Combine where he just like didn't do anything. Like all that stuff starts to add up, and I think I think especially for the film people because I thought he had a really good film. He was a yep. baller. Like we were all super excited about him twelve months ago. You know what I mean? Then all of a yep. sudden, like all this stuff happens and. You know, our, our boy Andrew Harbaugh was talking about all the stuff he was hearing down at, at Senior Bowl week. And then he ca- he came on on my show, on my show, this one, and decided he was going to blast Tyler Johnson. And that's the last time you'll hear him on TFA. Um, <laughs> but no, like it, it was just super weird. But yeah, I, I was happy to see see him land there. Like it's that is definitely a crowded room. But that, like, I think he could have like those like little random, just like, like you said, Robbie. You know, nine targets, and he goes eight for eighty in a in a touchdown. So this is man, this is such a fun class. Like, especially that second round, I think is going to be it's just going to be super up in the air. Uh, one of the Saturday to Sunday guys, I maybe it was Paul Pertichese. He put out on Twitter about like just the the top five running backs. We were really hoping for the uh, for the NFL draft to help us shake that out, but those top five, like none of them, had an awful landing spot. Like I th- like that's what I was banking on anyway, because I was like leading up to the draft, I was like these five put their names in a hat. Let me grab one out. I'd be happy with any of them. Banking on the NFL draft where they, you know, someone ends up falling to like the third and gets mm-hmm. taken behind like Christian McCaffrey or just something like awful, but that didn't happen at all like some of the you know some of them have a little more question marks especially like with we've what we've touched on a couple of times with the covid stuff um wondering how quickly they'll get on the field but like there's even the ones that do have the question marks there's not much in front of them so it's going to be super interesting to see how all this stuff plays out but boys thanks for jumping on berg thanks for coming in here at the end and, and joining us man happy happy you made it we know you were t- saying that your your work day was hectic, so hopefully hopefully we gave you a little reprieve here. You absolutely did, and uh, I, I'm de-stressed now, so thank you all. Thank, I'm glad you guys were still um, running. You all have the gift of gab, and I received that gift, so thank you. <laughs> Love it, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you again. You can find him on Twitter at Carl Jr. NFL. Robbie is Robbie Jeffries' handle. Uh, if you're still watching, please hit that subscribe and like button. It means a lot to us. And uh, I will be back here tomorrow with Kev. So until then, you know, keep keep living that fantasy life. Hit us up with the questions and, and all that jazz. So thanks again for listening, and uh, we will see you guys later. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.